Hi, I'm Dawn Kendall. And I'm Alex Howarth. And this is the Yoga Life Podcast. Now. <laughs> um, hello, welcome back to episode three of series two of the Yoga Life Podcast. I'm Dawn Simons. Ken- oh, I'm not Dawn Simons. Why did that come out? You haven't been for like four years. I'm Three years. still here. <laughs> <gasps> OMG. Let's start again. Oh, he heard it. <laughs> <laughs> and written unfucking real. <laughs> Love you, Neil. Welcome to episode three of series two of the Yoga Life podcast. I'm Dawn Kendall. Are you sure, Dawn? I'm sure this time. I'm, sure. I'm Alex Howarth. <laughs> <laughs> and this time we're going to be talking about Dharma. Um, last time we covered Karma, which was really good. Learned a lot. Um, yeah, I'm also very intrigued about Dharma. This is something, again, I know roughly a bit about it, but I'm really interested to learn a bit more. It, have you had any thoughts about karma or have you experienced it at all in, um, over the last week or so? E, uh, thanks for not asking if it was in the last 24 hours because yeah. that would have been hard. Uh, so be. I guess I think I talked about it in episode one the, about the fact that I had a little bit of a nervous breakdown with mm-hmm. regards to my... Um, state of affairs and all sorts of stuff and just how I'd let loads of shit go and accordingly had um, just got myself into a bit of a pickle. Uh, But I very much think that this is one of my samskaras. So from yesterday, the, the, they're learned behaviors. It's a learned behavior. And my learned behavior that I struggle with most is procrastination mm-hmm. it totally clearly, with you. clearly served me at some point in my life to procrastinate something and um it's just oh it's something I do and I know I'm doing and it's like I'm sat there going right I shouldn't really procrastinate this I should just get it done and then I'm like oh pretty colors let's just do that instead <laughs> uh, and I continue to procrastinate whatever it is and so much of uh, so much was resolved from my complete breakdown by just fucking getting jobs done that I needed to get done. And I just have, I have to this, to a point accepted the fact that I struggle with procrastination. I do procrastinate, but I also, where it also pays off is I work best close to a deadline. I get shit done and I do it very, very, very well when I've got a time crunch. Whereas if I'm like, unlimited amounts of time uh it I never do anything as well as I can or I just procrastinate it to the last minute because I force out the best work then (sighs) so I guess it's um I've been kind of accepting again for the billionth time the fact that procrastination is something that I do struggle with and I do struggle with it 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 is a constant internal battle I know it is a samskara of mine. It's something that I need to work on and be aware of all the time. And every single time procrastinating pays off because it does a worrying amount. I have to remind myself, this isn't a reason to do it more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I would say that 
that that that samskara keeps coming up and it came up a lot a couple weeks ago and um yeah it's now very much in the forefront of my mind and I'm just trying to work on that essentially again what about you yeah um when you said about the um just getting things done I have the quote on my back background on my computer because I'm the same mine's mostly when something really hard or really I struggle with and I need to get it done and I just procrastinate even more on the quotes. You perceive it to be hard because yeah. of the amount of times you've told me, like, I thought it was yeah. going to be a massive job and it took me 10 and It minutes. really isn't, yeah. And the quotes, it always seems impossible until it's done, as a Nelson Mandela quote just on my background. Because, I, yeah, I'm the same. If something I think is going to be difficult, I just procrastinate as well. Totally. I, I always think you make in your head that things are going to be harder than they are as well. yeah. I do. I do. Definitely. And once I get going, I'm all right. Yeah, absolutely it. fine. I'm yeah. trying to remember what it was that you did. It was not very long ago. Yeah. And you were just like, yeah, I finally did it. And it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told that you it would be. Fun. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, I don't really know on the karma sense. But, yeah, that was my my two pence. I love that. Contribution. Um, <laughs> I can't know. I can't think of any like um, instant karmas. Uh, no. I did say ha instant karma to someone the other day because they said something rude and then promptly tripped like a few <laughs> seconds later. And it was just brilliant. And I always really, really enjoy instant karma. So you do or say something mean and then it comes right back to hit you straight away. And it's just, yeah, yep, the universe is not having that today. Ha. <laughs> I enjoy that when you're driving. And you've got that person that's like edging to get around you, even though you're driving the speed limit, you know, or and you get to one of those junctures where there's two lanes, you can go straight in, in both lanes and they whip round and get in front of you. But then ahead, they're stuck and you whiz straight past them. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I love, I love that instant karma. Yeah. You know? it's, yeah. it's them being absolute twats behind you that instantly yes. think, makes you think, you know what? Calm yeah. down. Calm down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Slow and steady it, wins the race. Yes, as the famous fable tells us. Obviously. So shall we move on to Dharma? What yes. What is Dharma or what does what does it mean? What does the word mean? Or you know, what is it? All of it. So Dharma. Um, the word could be defined as right action or duty. So there are two ways to look at this. Um, if we think right action, we could essentially lean on the in diary of series one we consider our yamas and our niyamas as uh, right action or a moral compass code of conduct whatever you want to call it and consider our right action at each moment of each day um, um or we could look at duty which is essentially what we are here to do so finding your dharma is finding your path or what you've what your soul has been put in this body to do why what is your journey um and how are you moving your soul forwards towards its end if we're going on the reincarnation front on the uh yeah on the moving towards enlightenment um and allowing the the end of reincarnation um so we, with our dharma, we seek to do the right thing and do it all of the time, which is obviously very challenging. Yes. 
but because we'll procrastinate that dawn yeah (laughs) um but yes so that that is essentially the summary of what dharma is okay so so something we're almost born to be doing destiny yes if you can believe in that uh so yeah dharma is essentially the balance of aligning everything in your life so your like uh, so your work life so it's not just what you're supposed to do with your work it's what you're supposed to do within your community within your family within your work life as well within your social life um and it's finding the the choices your uh, your decisions and your choices good work alex your choices your um values i guess we kind of talked about values the other day didn't we um to make it all align with what you are you are here to do okay yeah yes yeah get you yeah Yeah. (laughs) um how how do we work out what we're here to do i feel like that's the obvious question isn't it really there's no other way around it it's like oh come on okay what yeah we're, we're all here to do something um yeah either like how, how do we find out what we're here to do or if we don't find it out how would that impact our life so you could spend your entire life working your ass off I'm just gonna go stereotypical corporate office life you literally you just work up to the um hierarchy within a company but you could actually, and you could be deemed working incredibly hard and you feel like you're working towards something, but you get to the top of that company or as far as you can go and you still don't find that happiness that you thought would be there. Um, and it's, it could be the same with anything. You know, you, you, you do things because you socially feel you should. So you're chasing the, um, the marriage, the house, the kids, the perfect job the perfect car the perfect clothes everything like that the perfect figure but at the end of the day you still don't feel any contentment or sense of fulfillment within your life and so the difference between not finding your dharma and finding your dharma is the difference between just living for the sake of living slash living for the sake of your ego or other people's perceived rules yeah or living for your true self that will essentially allow you to feel happiness, fulfillment, probably experience success, uh, and also move your uh, soul further down the path towards enlightenment. Um, So it helps your journey and it helps get you to the end of that constant cycle of reincarnation. I should probably start, stop saying that now because people will get triggered. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm still not even a hundred percent sure that I believe in reincarnation as such, but this, the more I get into this stuff, the more I can feel that whole, I'm not done yet feeling that I'm, my physical body will be done at some point. Yeah. But I'm not done yet. I get you. I get what you're saying. Yeah. You also got many, many years ahead of you. Hopefully. That's good. Yeah. Um, Yes, I know what you mean. You could you can go through the motions and live the life that society, or at least in this Western society, deems is good and normal and successful, but not feel complete, not the fulfillment. That's that's a really a good key word there, isn't it? Yeah, it's not um, even happiness in a way. No. I mean, the odds are if you feel fulfilled, you're going to feel a, a greater sense of happiness across life anyway. 
I imagine there will be to follow that path though to find fulfillment and happiness I think there would be a lot more struggles and challenges but it's worth it in the long run sort of thing yeah you might be right there I don't know I don't know or are there more small challenges and the small minutiae of life that get in the way and seem massive if you're very discontented with life and there is a serious lack of fulfillment because everything will piss you off because there's like there's no sense of purpose there like why the hell am I doing this if that is constantly in the back of your mind every single day it's just going to niggle at you and have this constant state of discontent which then every small thing that comes up is going to be some massive drama so whereas if you're you feel like you have a purpose and you're on the right path and you feel fulfilled and content within your life maybe it's easier to accept the struggles yeah yeah I know what you mean um it's one of these things I think I think I mean from the sense that following that more unconventional path per se could be a struggle because things aren't always set up in society to make that easy I definitely agree with you there I think it is change I think we are in a massive changing landscape and especially over the last couple of years with COVID where you've just seen people by the droves changed change what they're doing with their life because Mm -hmm. they see that life is short things can disappear in an instant yeah, suddenly uh, everyone's not tied to Monday to Friday, nine to five. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, early on in the pandemic, it's a bit different now, but very early on, I had this real sense of it didn't matter who you were or how much money you had. It made no difference. We were all equals all of a sudden and we couldn't mm-hmm. go out and there was a virus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that obviously gradually changed to favour people with advantages. But, mm-hmm. but it was that. At, at that moment that whole kind of almost we're all equals we're all in this together yeah no matter what's in your bank or what have you it's a good you point know. I like that yeah yeah it really yeah. did almost I think it was the biggest reset on modern society as we could have hoped for yeah yeah in a lot of ways and it needed to happen yeah um you have to wonder oh, yeah. if zoom actually created COVID <laughs> And Jeff Bezos of Amazon. Yeah, that lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Master plan. Yeah. Business let's going just take the whole the world roof. online. How can we take the whole world online? Oh, I know. Let's make everyone stay at home. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. Anyway, sorry. God, conspiracy theories. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm done with that. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, how do we how do we find our Dharma? I feel like we have to start with a well however you work you might work with a whiteboard or a blackboard you might work with your mind I don't recommend that you might work with a pen and paper you might work with a empty word document or a spreadsheet type ones um you know so it just depends how you work but I always feel like we have to start with the big old question of why am I here okay and or what is my purpose you could phrase it that way um Um, or what is my unique purpose in life? One of the big questions, what is the meaning of my life? And it's not what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of my life? It's incredibly individual because you could have a very similar dharma to someone in the sense that you feel your dharma is to be a hairdresser, but there are millions and millions of hairdressers 
but that's where you feel your calling is. And, but there, it doesn't mean that your Dharma is the same as someone else's Dharma because your version of what a hairdresser would be is completely individual to you. Um, so it's always, what is my purpose? What is my meaning of life? Why am I here? Not why are humans here? Um, so it's important to make it personal. Um, I always think having that question in mind throughout any, any processes of trying to work on Dharma uh, is important. It is important because that's, that's essentially what you're trying to figure out. Uh, and then when it comes to Dharma, there are four processes. There are, there's a four-step path. And you I would recommend going at it from the top-down approach. However, the top, <laughs> the top process one is very big, <laughs> to okay. say the least. Um, so I feel like a lot of people start from the bottom and work up or whichever. But essentially... It's recommended to work down. I will be honest. I think I started on point two from memory. Yes, I started on point two, then went probably down to point four, then up to three, and then I'm probably need to dabble in one. So I say there's a four point approach and you should probably do top down, but it's up to you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we should, we should should could contemplate um each of these individually don't just uh kind of try and mix them all together really work and study on each one individually this is if it's something to do what you want to do um and the first is the largest thing it's all encompassing and it's called rita dharma rita dharma r-i-t-a so this essentially Obviously, we've spent a lot of time in the spirituality uh, episode and perhaps a little bit. Oh, yeah, we did in the karma episode talking about like the universe and how everything is interconnected. And this this uh, process, Rita Dharma, encompasses that whole concept of everything is connected, but on an even bigger scale. So, Dawn, I do not know how much you are into this stuff. I'm not sure we've ever talked about it, but it even encompasses the idea of the planets and the stars and the movements within the universe, um, includes the seasons, the year, the, the phase of time that we are in, the generation we're in, and all of that kind of thing. And we should study and use this stuff to contemplate how it has an effect on us, how it has an effect on our energy, how it has an effect on um, what's going on around us, our culture, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to, to essentially figure out how it would help us work out our dharma, the reason for being here. So you go. I struggle with uh, thinking about that kind of bigness because then I feel like we're very small and therefore is anything worth it that we do yeah yes well, I guess it is it, it yeah is. And I'm starting to feel better about that I think in times in the past when I've not really been my happiest self if I then started to think about the big picture I'd almost feel like well it's just you know what is the point what is the point of me I would I would say that I've obviously considered that thought but it also it drives me somehow and I'm like okay yes, I'm tiny and insignificant. So how can I make my mark? How can I help the small influence that I can have on this planet on, on the time that I'm here? How can I influence the universe for it to be a better place? And it's, yeah, the universe, because we're all in, interconnected. Um, and so 
it almost motivates me to to go bigger to think bigger to be bigger to yeah I don't know why but that's what it does to me <laughs> I think over time I find it easier an easier concept to think about not not that it's a concept it's like it's real we are tiny in this huge great mm-hmm. like solar system galaxy whatever we call it um I think over time it's better I think because I'm now more at ease with myself and satisfied with my life yeah 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 that's I'm glad appropriate as we're talking about dharma there you know well maybe she's found her drama (laughs) oh um I would also remember that anyone who has done anything amazing changed the world in whatever way it's been whether it be for good for bad was one individual who essentially could have been you yeah. Any single individual has the power to change the world. And there's no reason that can't be you, me, someone we know, our next door neighbor, I'll be the dog. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, if you can hear that noise, Elvis, the bulldog is drinking in the background. He chooses his times. Um, so I would perhaps say I'm not very into astrology, Dawn, but this, this uh, Rita Dharma does uh kind of suggests that movements of planets and whatnot has an a bearing on things so perhaps when considering our dharma maybe we do need to look into astrology maybe we do need to seek the professional advice of someone and find out what our likely character traits are what we are more inclined to be like personality wise due to the star sign under which we were born Maybe we need to consider our energy levels and how we're affected by the seasons, how we're affected by the moon, how we're affected by um, just generally the, the, the world around us. Um, so it's, it seems so woohoo and ridiculous when you first think about it and what the hell, but then it's like, well, actually, no, all of those things do play a big part on our weeks, months and years. So why wouldn't you consider it? So it's like when sometimes I see people and I don't know huge amounts about this, but people will be, oh, everyone's a bit iffy at the minute, a bit discontent, a bit fidgety because Mercury's in retrograde. I've heard that term. No idea what that means either. But I also hear that around if everyone's scatty, it's because it's nearly full moon. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, and I'm not sure. I've not read enough about it to decide whether I believe it or not. Totally with you. Yeah, totally I don't know if I you. want to go down that rabbit hole yet. I do. I really <laughs> do. Uh, so, no, um, big nerd alert wanting to get really into it. I've never read or paid any attention to the things you read in, like, magazines and newspapers, but I'm definitely not closed down to the idea. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I'm not closed down to it. I'm not feeling like I'm ready to, to, to delve deep into that, but th- uh, there has to be almost something that out there that makes each of us slightly different but that could also then be genetics I don't you know I don't know I don't know but do you not I always find that a lot of my friends come from like are in birthday clusters so I'll know a lot of people with similar sort of birthdays like a lot of your your friends will be born at the beginning of the year the end of the year or the middle of the year um or I find that people are of a similar similar in way so if I meet someone you can almost kind of guess when in the year they're born Mm-hmm. totally agree yeah totally agree so there's like people out there that I talk to and I feel like you're so like me and then you're like 
oh you've got an autumn birthday same as me shocker yeah 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 absolutely um a lot of my friends are towards the end of the year or yeah. at the beginning of the year I very rarely have friends um other than one of my closest friends um who whose birthdays are in the summer yeah very rarely but um and then I would argue that me and that friend who is one of my closest friends we are very 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 different poles apart in the way that we think and so it's um it is interesting to see uh like just the difference I like it I really like it anyway but um we're going down a rabbit hole here yes uh so if you're just thinking of crying out loud this dharma sounds shit (laughs) bear with us (laughs) bear with us because it there's loads there there is loads there but this is again that was this is literally something I when even contemplating my own dharma this is a bit that i have never really contemplated um so yes uh so then we move on to our sec did you have any questions on the first process no no we've definitely discussed that one definitely so we then have the second process second layer we're going on our four layers working from the top down which is called varna v-a-r-n-a dharma varna dharma (laughs) I don't know I think I just enjoyed saying it <laughs> so this is where we need to we kind of touched on this already consider the responsibilities within our culture community uh, family and relationships and find um, who we are our role within that society our role within society um, so there are a couple of ways to look at this it also no we'll start there um so it really if for instance you are a bit of a natural leader you'll find within your society that you are drawn to that role um because some people don't like following do they they're just like natural eh, you tell me what to do whereas other people are like okay I'll organize it I'll get it sorted let's go within a group of friends as soon as an event is coming it absolutely splits the group you'll find the leaders and the people who just don't give a shit sometimes I pick my battles with a certain friend of ours because I'm like I know she'll want to just organize this and it'll stress her out more if I do I would rather organize it but it's actually for a simple life I'll let her do it I'm exactly the same I feel like I am a natural leader but sometimes I take a step back yep yeah yeah but then when it all starts to go wrong I'm just like oh crying out loud I should have done it myself (laughs) (laughs) yeah or if it's not going how you would have liked it to have gone you're like oh wish I'd done it wish I'd wish why didn't I do it yeah Yeah. absolutely um but then I also think that that friend that I'm talking about also she does step back sometimes yeah so I just yeah I think that maybe all natural leaders within a group of friends is like you know this isn't my battle I'll let someone else do it it is but, um, interesting to watch the dynamics or see feel the dynamics in groups where there is more than one natural leader. I've got another mm-hmm. group of friends where, yeah, it is a bit like that. You know, there is more than one natural leader. I'm very often a, an organiser in mm-hmm. another group of friends. Like I'm the one that gets people together. Mm-hmm. But other times I, I, hate, I hate being that one as well. Really? Sometimes so I it. would like people to just drag me along. <laughs> maybe that's why i like being friends with you oh, let's do a podcast all right then just drag me along 
<laughs> love it love it love it love it um yeah, well yeah I think everyone's different and so it is just finding that natural gravity to towards your position perhaps in your society because that might not just be within a friendship group that could be within a wider community area like it could be that you end up like the mayor also yeah. I couldn't think of anything lower than that for some reason a local politician something like that that could be a natural calling to you because you generally like to lead or make change or something so it's noticing your position um, I, and your responsibilities within a community it makes me think of things so like obviously I don't have children at the moment but that that's stereotypical the mum that goes into school and there's then becomes like head of PTA and stuff like that yep and I think that's going to that be you is that, that's, <laughs> that's it and I'm like do I really want that to be me but I also feel like it would be me yeah I think you would naturally get drawn to it and also because people would understand how much of a mothering caring nature you have alongside a very organizational um nature that they would naturally guide you to that position as well they wouldn't be like we'll ask dawn to do it that's a terrible idea it would be like we'll ask dawn to do it yeah that's just yeah that makes sense (laughs) so it is it's it is actually a really sensible thing to do i don't i think i covered it in point four but we may as well talk about it now it's really good to discuss what your attributes are with people around you yeah so uh so for instance we've just had that conversation where my point of view my perception of you is your mothering caring um you've got that natural organization leadership quality but you may disagree I don't think you do on that but it's always it is always good because if you suddenly said think I want to be an astronaut you know can you see me doing this I really feel like it's my dharma (laughs) (laughs) might be like I don't know (laughs) what what quality space on your own with no contact to many people Dawn you know you can't have chickens in space like you it just no it yeah like dinner parties in space or no you know so uh it's always good to talk to people around you to kind of figure out if um Jessica said I want to be an astronaut I'd be like oh yeah yeah I could see that yeah Yeah. I could see that it just it makes more sense in my head or if you said to me I want to go and be a solicitor I just no couldn't see it me no I can be a solicitor no No. or any kind of corporate oh I'm just going to go and be like I'm going to go and be an accounts assistant no. no, please don't let me do it. No, exactly. Oh, and work for a massive organization and be a very small number in that massive organization. No, no I, could lead, that, I could not. lead a massive corporation. corporation yeah, but you couldn't but get couldn't, in the, No, I couldn't be in the bottom. No, I could create and build and be the leader of one. Couldn't work in one. Yeah. But at least, no. yeah, if I, if I led it, I could set my own hours, you know, walk the dogs yeah. when I want. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it's about, really. Um, so... But that's that's part of Vanadana is figuring out your responsibilities within the uh, your culture, community, family. But it is also looking at your inner narrative, your story that you're born into. So this is kind of I don't think this is overly relevant to Dawn and I because we have both been brought in brought up in a middle class, white, Norfolk kind of background, you know. It's just, we're not polar anything. We are in the middle of the bell curve. Yeah. Within, within our community, oh. culture, etc., country. Um, whereas if we look at the poles, either end, we could go really poor 
really rich, even within this country, you are born with or born into certain expectations and labels. So you could, as a, a born into a very, very affluent family, um, there are expectations on you and you would label yourself with, well, I am to be successful. I am to continue or create a legacy. Um, I have to reproduce. I have to be a father or mother. I have to do this. Da, 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 da. I am these things. And they become your absolutes. They become your true beliefs and they become your stories. Whereas if you are the other end of the bell curve, perhaps, and live in poverty, well, this is it. This is, we don't do better than this. We are not people who go to high school, uh, university. We don't have good jobs. We don't, um, we don't necessarily, uh, live how other people live or within other social norms because we just have to make a way however we possibly can. Um, and they become your truths. They become your absolutes and they, you start to live by those. Whereas if either end of that spectrum, you start to take away those stories that you have created for yourself. And again, I've gone polls because it's easy to explain. Um, if you start to take those away, take the stories and the inner narrative away, well, actually, what are you supposed to do? Are you, yes, you've been born into poverty, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's where you have to stay. Just because everyone around you, the community you're in has said, well, this is just life. Suck it up, princess. Well, actually, no, within me, I feel like I need to be doing X, Y, and Z. And you could then know that you have to do whatever it takes to get there, regardless of what your situation is at home. Does that make sense? It yeah, it definitely makes sense. Um, and looking at it from the polls, I feel like both polls, it's harder to then go against our preconceived born ideas. Even yes. the other end, you know, obviously it's very difficult being at the, the poverty end, physically, yes. mentally very difficult. But at the other end, say you've got people like the landed gentry, you're born into a family, you're, you're the oldest son, you're set to inherit an estate, a big house, etc farm you know the whole lot what if you, you what if you actually really don't want to do any of that what if you want to go and be a surf teacher in Bali yeah exactly yeah exactly literally go the opposite direction and it's I think I think there are social pressures on both ends yes. which make it so difficult but there will be social pressures that uh you and I would have been um like one that I can really easily think of was the pressure through our GCSE years to be constantly considering our A-levels. Yeah. We had to constantly consider our A-levels uh, and then work hard in our A-levels to go to university. And any time through my A-levels where anyone was just like, so what's your plan for university? I'm like, I don't want to go. It was literally like, huh? Well, why not? It's what you do. And I'm like, well, there's nothing I am passionate enough about to go and get 30,000 pounds at least in debt for. Like, nothing if down the line I suddenly realize what I want to do that's when I would consider university but I'm not pigeonholing myself into something that for a lot of money that I'm not sure about and so that was kind of a social norm that was very very pressured I think it was really a thing when we went to school I do and that's why when we actually had that discussion the other day about all these things I asked you what did your friends do did they all go to uni because when I was at sixth form it's similar I but I didn't have any kind of I very much followed the pack a bit you know and 
went along with it and it, I felt like if I didn't go to uni that I was almost thought of as well what's the point in trying to get her through her A-levels do, do you yeah. know what I mean yeah um, absolutely any careers chats it's like what are you doing at uni not what are you going to do yeah what do you want school? to do with your it's life like, what, do you what are you going to do purposes? at university yeah. yeah yeah and it was very different because my parents didn't go to university and it was very going against what they would have naturally have perhaps said to me but then I also felt it was like I had one I had two choices it was go to university and step up and try and do better or not go to university and go into a very working class job and stay there at at the bottom rung and they were they were the the absolutes perceived at that point it's like well you will only do well in life if you go to university if you don't go to university you are not going to do well in life which is why I think they did that um series of the apprentice didn't they with they had people who had degrees and then people who didn't do have degrees and uh I think that was in the American one I don't know about this one at sure. the UK one I don't know but and then it was just the comparison between the two and it isn't essential because someone could go to university and study something but then end up in a completely different career path anyway and do extremely well or extremely poorly um and so, I don't know it it yeah that was that's the only one that I could really think of within our social uh well our culture and our community that was really a thing um yeah yeah, and it, I understand the fact that having a degree can give you a lot of leg up. I think and it I did. Do, I think that's fading. I do I think that that is almost fading, and I feel quite glad um, that people coming into that age now have a lot more choices, and it's they're all perceived as equal, equally yeah. valid choices. That's nice that there yeah. is. Yeah, there is is. that. Yeah. Whereas when I I remember when I left uni because I didn't finish my degree, it was Mm -hmm. very difficult. You apply for like a a bottom rung job and get told, but you're too qualified because you've been to uni. But I haven't got a degree, so I can't go into the graduate job. Fuck's sake. You know, it was that (laughs) that middle. Yeah, it, it, it felt at that point in time that you needed a degree to get into anything. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. A bit higher up. Thank God for the leisure industry. Uh... (laughs) Also, I think uh, when you talk about that bell curve, for example, those in the middle have a little bit more freedom to shift. It feels like. I agree. I think we are are very lucky to have been born into the bodies we're in, Dawn. Yes. Because in in another place, in another world, I mean, we are so, so, so lucky. And I think we forget this on a daily basis that we have been able to on our own with no financial backing, just start our own business and just create something and just be like, yeah, I've got this. It's on me now. And I'm just going to do it. There are many, many, many countries in the world where it would be either you couldn't do it at all, or it would be so difficult to do. Yeah. Or it would be so, or it'd be so difficult to do that we wouldn't even bother you and I would both be sat in jobs that we perhaps didn't enjoy didn't want to do and we wouldn't even have the option to try and fulfill our dharma within our career so yeah yeah, it's It's depressingly very in the limelight right now that kind of thing it very 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 much is Mm -hmm. yeah um we are lucky lucky ladies 
Um, so that's layer two. Wow, we talked about that significantly longer than I thought we, we would. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um, so are you happy for me to move on to layer yeah, three? Yeah, of course. So this is the third process of finding your dharma, just to draw us back into where we are. So this one is called, I've not said this one out loud yet, ashrama dharma. <laughs> They're all so good. <laughs> Varnadana is still my favorite though. Ashranada, ashrama dharma. So that's spelled A S H. R-A-M-A, Ashrama Dharma. Um, so this one is more about accepting who you are. So we've gone a bit bigger. We've been looking obviously at the universe and then we looked at our culture, community, and we were looking at ourselves a bit and the stories that we have due to uh, the situation we were born into. But now we look more at our self and the stage of, the, stage of life that we are in. Now... Um, our dharma can change and shift throughout life. I kind of said that in the karma episode about the fact that I felt my dharma was to be doing what I'm doing right now, but I have no attachment to it. And if it shifts and changes over the years, then that's absolutely fine. Um, so your dharma, let's go really, really basic. Your dharma as a baby, newborn baby, up till whenever you can be kind of um, self-sufficient is to survive is essentially just to make sure your mother knows you're alive so she feeds you that is or caregiver that's your main aim and dharma as a baby is to survive as a teenager a young uh, young child perhaps even a young adult it is to perhaps learn and discover you can start to discover who you are you can start to learn about what well everything we have to learn about and then what you choose to learn about and it is really a sense of broadening your mind and your dharma at that point in your life is to educate yourself um perhaps again perhaps in other cultures your dharma at that age might be something completely different acceptance into society getting married who knows you know um and then as an adult i would like to think dawn and i are into this one as an adult especially i think an older adult it might be spiritual awakening that your dharma would be um but who knows as an adult it could also be the, so this is what I, the, my next point really but you will also find that you have other dharmas alongside it. So you may be a mother and your dharma then, of course, is to mother and rear your children in the best possible way that you can. It might be that you your dharma is um, within your career is to do certain things to educate. If, if you're a teacher, for instance, your dharma is to teach to the best of your ability. But you could also be a mother, uh, but you could also be on your path to spiritual awakening you know so you could have multiple dharmas going on at the same time but uh so it's accepting the fact that where you are in your stage of life your dharma is going to change now i think that you and i both felt a big shift um and a change between being in our 20s to being in our 30s yeah uh, or certainly early 20s to very late 20s and 30s yeah, definitely. Yeah. If, yeah. if I look at what I was doing, even physically, so even if I just think about what my body can do, uh, in my 20s, I was working the best part of 60 hour weeks. I was teaching multiple fitness classes a day. At one point, I know for a significant chunk of time, like six months or a year, I was teaching about nine to 11 spins a week. Oh my God. Like, I'm like, how? I just, how no. did you do it? <laughs> yeah. How did I do it? How the did I do it? I just, I can't even imagine. Um, and a 20 year old or how old was I? Like 22, 23, maybe even a bit older at that point. 
year old body can do that. It's absolutely fine. But now I have to accept the fact that I'm 34. I even, you know this, like what, two, two and a half, three years ago now, I stopped doing CrossFit because yeah. I knew I was done. Did CrossFit for what, seven years? I'm, I'm good. I'm done. I know it's not right for my body anymore. I am constantly injured, uh, niggles all over the place. I am no longer willing to live my life with ripped hands and a sore collarbone. I just, or cold. Nope. <laughs> It's done. Time for you to retire. Time indeed. Um, so it's like I've accepted the fact that I'm in a different phase of my life. And right now I'm on a little bit of a hunt for figuring out what my next thing is. But hey, ho, we'll get there. You'll find your new fitness dharma. Exactly. And so with that, you could also consider it in your yoga practice, just taking it onto your yoga mat. It's often that when yogis get into their practice younger the you do the more powerful yoga so the the vinyasas the ashtangas the the big fitness yoga all our power yogas that big physical fitness side of yoga but then as we get older and as our body changes and shifts we may move towards the more not necessarily not doing the asana because we still need to do that but it is it becomes more contemplative it becomes more of a higher amount of meditation and internal practice and you start to look inwards more rather than uh, outwards at what the body can do because the body doesn't need to do that so much it can't do that so much it can still do a damn sight more than what most people think however your practice kind of shifts and changes it goes from being right I do 10 hours a week of physical asana physical practice to well maybe five hours a week but I actually now meditate for four or five hours a week as well you know it can shift those are extremes but whatever I don't recommend practicing yoga for more than 10 hours a week it just seems a bit excessive um physical yoga um so it's this third layer is to accept where we are within our bodies uh and within our stage of life a bit of satya a bit of satya indeed it's what I literally was thinking about when you're saying about yeah the yoga and maybe slowing it down or yeah, the satya. Truthfulness, for mm. those of you who've forgotten that one. Um, and then there's also, I think we should do an episode on this, Dawn, the whole science of Ayurvedic diet. Do you know much about it? No, not, not hugely. I've heard of it. Um, I've heard of it. I've seen people on social media sort of really going into it. But no, I don't know a lot about it. Um, so Ayurveda is essentially, it's a science. I'm, I'm pulling a face. I'm going with yeah. science. But um, it's a, a lifestyle diet that uses, diet slash lifestyle that uses um, energy balances, uh, patterns of energy, your own body makeup, et cetera, et cetera, that... Um, that to then decide what you eat and how you nourish your body what exercise you do and so on and so forth it really can becoming all encompassing and again that might change over your lifestyle but you can do like a quiz online um, to find <laughs> out what what kind of diet you should be on according to the ayurvedic uh, science in the um, loosest sense of the word well it might I don't be, know. I don't, it might not be I, loose but i don't know how much it's gone into it. i mean it's thousands of years old and people still live by it and do feel yeah. really good from it. I went and saw an acupuncturist once um, 
traditional Chinese medicine acupuncture and uh she was just asking me loads and loads of questions it was great and uh she just said to me you know you really should just avoid eating cold foods and drinking cold drinks and you'll probably feel a lot better within yourself (laughs) she's so right (laughs) if especially in the winter I do not feel good eating cold foods and drinking cold drinks so it's it's important for me to consider the, like my own body and just make sure I'm keeping myself warm almost from within um, and help my body function to its best by making sure I'm eating warm food and drinking warm drinks. And so, uh, in, the, in the summer, it's a bit different because I can obviously handle a little bit more. But yeah, she's just like, it will really make a difference. And it really makes a freaking difference. <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> I could never I could never do the raw diet. Um, so yeah, that would I would say that summarizes the third layer. It really does. It just encompasses more about you, your body, your stage in life, and what you need to perform at your best. What if we don't want? So say say you did like the Ayurvedic quiz and it said something and you're like I really don't like that idea well I feel like I looked at mine once uh, many times actually and I can never decide what category I go into um and then I read it and it just doesn't sound like it quite fits I feel like google is not the one for me (laughs) shocking I know I need to go and speak to someone properly I could not it would be very interesting to go and get it done properly chat to someone and see what comes back let's do this yeah we should actually field trip um rather than just going off google and the results of quizzes because i think one time i did well i was like well i can't decide between those two character traits so i'm just going to do that one and see what comes out and then i'm going to do that one and see what comes out i came away from it equally as confused so (laughs) yeah definitely yeah yeah it's one of those times where we need a professional yeah So our final and fourth stage process within finding our dharma, I would say is the biggest one. And I probably should have talked about this more than the others, but (laughs) hey-ho. So it's finding your actual unique path. Oh, it's called Swa Dharma, S-W-A Dharma. Very dull to say, but- um, Didn't make you laugh. No, Varna Dharma Dharma is still my favorite. Uh, So it's finding your actual unique path. So this is where you incorporate everything about yourself so this includes your true self your ego your mind your dna your karma your samskaras your commune no that's two not your community it's very very you 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 it's all about me focus um and starting to actually figure out what's right for you so you could be looking at perhaps what you're good at and your talents but it might be a path that you've been knocked onto that suddenly feels like a calling. So I listen to um, true crime podcasts because I'm super weird. Uh, and there was one that I'll never forget. And it was um, a woman's best friend was murdered. Shocking. I know. Um, and essentially this woman was so disheartened and upset by the fact that the police were just finding dead ends and not getting anywhere and it'd been like five years it'd been a good chunk of time and the police were essentially like it's going to be a cold case there's nothing more we can do this woman was so passionate about it she was calling the police station every day she was and they called her like crazy susan or something it wasn't that but that's what they called her um and then 
you know, and then she got so passionate about it. She wanted the more information. They're like, we can't give it to you. So she actually retrained to become a PI so, or a private investigator. And she freaking solved the case. Amazing. And it, it was just incredible. And, um, and that's, that's not something that she ever dreamt of doing. She was just a, a normal housewife. And I say normal housewife. She wasn't, she wasn't like in a situation where she'd found her dharma or anything like that. It was just, this was her calling. This is what she meant to do. And then she set up a business and she worked, uh, she had like a niche, like she really worked with people. Um, she would really be selective about who she worked with and figure out like they would be on the similar sort of path to what she'd had. And it, that, was, that was kind of an example I could think of, of where someone has found their calling something completely left field and a good way to think about it is is it something it's a calling or is it something that you want to do that will help you become a greater version of yourself um a greater version of who you are already um but you do need to know yourself you need to know your true nature so your samskaras like what we talked about in the karma episode uh, you need to know about your energy shifts and your patterns which could link into the planets and the universe and or it could be to do with the stories that you've created as your truths it could be about or your inner narrative it could be things that you need to accept what is your ego are you doing something because that's what you feel you want people to think you are? Or are you doing it because you really want to do something? That is always important. Um, and also how the ego changes our perception of things. Um, do we perceive someone to be a total bitch? Because, but actually it's just because she's got everything we really want. Or so our ego is in, uh, injured. So we perceive her to be a total bitch. Um, so it's how our ego, and we just really need to know everything about ourselves. We have to take the time to look in, um, and you work through your yamas and your niyamas and all of that sort of stuff comes through working through the first two stages of your Ashtanga yoga. So that, or they are the four processes of finding your dharma. It makes me think about, um, say through my 20s all the times I thought about different things I wanted to do I never knew I wasn't happy what I was doing I didn't really know what else and I'd look at other things and think oh, that'd be really cool that would make me really successful and then it's like over time actually examining and realizing that would make me successful but would it make me happy would it fit with my style how I am or would it always be a constant battle of hard work Agreed. You know, kind of I what we were saying at the beginning. Yeah, and learning to accept, um, not completely accept like your habits, but like look at the best versions of your habits, your best traits, and kind of adapt to a life that uses the best bits of you yep. and brings out the best in you. Yeah, totally. Yep. Like an 11 a.m. work time. Yes. Like there's no point me trying to go and be some high-flying lawyer I, I did apply to do law at uni uh and have to be in court at 8 a.m every day it wouldn't work it just it would you would it would be difficult uh, perhaps I'd learn to adapt to it but really you know my nature is not like that my nature is getting up later I have clients into the evening I work best in the evening just you know and learning that that's how I am and actually being a bit more free spirit is yeah. just suits yeah Dawn has clients when I'm getting into bed yeah we're just opposites just <laughs> totally are <laughs> um 
this is yeah. my first and I think my first job of the day is to get up and record a podcast at 11 a.m whereas Alex has already been up and done I've half her to- work <laughs> yeah I've been to the gym walked the dogs had breakfast sat and worked in a cafe for a couple of hours and so this is like my fifth job of the day oh my god yeah I've got up and had breakfast I love it I love how yeah. different we are in it it really makes me happy it just yeah. uh, and I never if I ha- unless it's super important I feel like I'm not going to have a chance to message Dawn later on I tend to just leave messages until after at least 9 30 or 10 o'clock because I'm like, <laughs> well there's no point in messaging her now 5 30 in the morning I think I did the other day I'm like she's not gonna pick that up for hours <laughs> yeah yeah definitely um but yeah it just there's no point in bothering you before you your brain is switched on so if it's work yeah. stuff but um yeah. yeah I like it I really like it but it gets everyone, is show. everyone is different and yeah trying to find the best path and the best sort of life within what suits us is going to be more successful than find a fight against it isn't it totally totally agree amazing if you wanted to start implementing and finding your way into dharma where would you start um so i did a spider diagram gonna show you oh lovely lovely we, maybe we need to make a little graphic of this i was thinking this too um so essentially i brainstormed which is why it's a spider diagram all of the things that i have done over the years to work out my dharma now, like I said to you before, I kind of worked in a weird order. I started finding my path to my dharma by working through my values. What are my values? And so they were my core beliefs, the things that I want to and felt were right for me uh, within society, within my personal life, within my work life. What are my values? So essentially what I would recommend when trying to find your dharma is set yourself up with a question or like a question a week, a question a month, a question a year, like sort of things to work on and so the thing I started with what are my values so what means most to me what keeps me happy what what makes me feel content uh, morally what is right for me and what boundaries do I need in place so they were kind of like they were my values and the questions that I started with and I would I spent at least a year I, I would say actually hashing them out and figuring it out for the first year was part of my process during my first year of self-employment and I felt I really really needed that um, to give me direction and um, accountability within being self-employed in my own boss. So that was really cool. Um, but also, obviously, I had kind of found what I wanted to do before I even started that process. But essentially, another thing to start is what is my meaning or what is my purpose? It's always a good question. What makes you happy? Um, what interests you and what gives you or brings you the feeling of inner peace? So everyone's just like think goes career um and it might be that you're doing this in a career wise and then you might be like well what gives me inner peace couldn't actually make me money and it's well people make money and a lot of money sitting down playing video games all day and I'm pretty sure if your calling is to do something then there is a reason behind it and that will somehow bring you if you need it to um, some kind of income. Okay. Yeah. Y- yeah. Uh, so it, it could be something really small or you feel is small, but actually I feel happiest when I'm playing with the dogs. Could be one for instance. Well, okay. Well perhaps your calling is to work with dogs. 
whether that's going to be a vet, whether that's um, working in a, a shelter for dogs or something else entirely, you know, it, what makes you happy, what brings you alive. Um, what comes easily to you is a really good one, but however, it's not always that. It's not always what you're, what you're skilled or talented at. It is, it could be something what you, what you feel a calling to. Um, but then flip side, you might not feel called to anything. Um, what can you offer your community? I really do think that that needs to be established, as we said in point two. Um, how can you essentially make the lives of those around you better? Um, what do you... Oh, sorry. Nope, I've said that one already. And what do you find easy to talk about lights you up? So I think Dawn and I found that we found it very easy to talk about yoga, philosophies, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And we quickly lit up when we were talking about it, didn't we? Discussing yeah. ideas and concepts, etc. And it was just like, this is almost too easy. And it was so... It was, That's why we're here. Hence, we're here. Um, because it felt like a step towards our dharma. Um, and then once you've got all that, a really, really strong or powerful thing to do is to meditate on your idea of a perfect life or a perfect day what would your actual no like money is no problem uh perhaps even the rules of the world are no problem perhaps um borders are no issue you know what if you were to close your eyes and sit and think about it for five ten minutes what does your perfect day look like um, or what does your perfect life look like and start to meditate on that. And because you suddenly start to feel what actually lights you up and it's not necessarily in a, a really formal way, in a way that is, um, dictated by pen and paper. Well, what can I actually write down here? No, it's just your imagination running free. What comes up? What, what do you allow to come up? What do you stop? If something, well, I couldn't do that because just knock that barrier down and keep going there are no barriers in this, in this realm. What actually would be your perfect day with, with no barriers in place? Then what, so you would then take from that vision, well, which bits of that, which things are lighting me up? Therefore, which of those things can then be implemented into my life? Yeah, it might be that you're able to implement quite a few things really, really quickly. It might be the, because I think we and you talked about ages ago, your perfect day, in your perfect day, you started work at 11. I was like, we'll make it happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. And <laughs> yeah, so it is, it's literally that. In my perfect day, I don't work past 3 p.m. Um, I'll get there. I could make it happen now, but I think I'd have a few disgruntled yogis on my, on my uh, <laughs> emails. But, um, and I don't want to stop teaching my evening classes yet. However, I know that future Alex is going to be not working into the evenings anymore. Um, so, you know, it just, it, it, what can you implement from all of that into your life right now? Could you start to, let's go back to the dog one. Could you start volunteering at a homeless dog shelter? Could you perhaps start um, training to be a dog trainer or something like that? Just a little side thing to start to implement more of this stuff that keeps you happy, that lights you up into your life. Yeah, I think it's important to, to remember that not everyone can or will or has to just jump shit out of what they're doing that's maybe just being a bit... If, if, you're, if you're in a job but you're earning a decent money, 
but you don't know you don't think it's it's not your dharma but it's getting you by we, we can't all just up and leave but you can spend a little bit of your spare time exploring the other things can't you yeah absolutely and and I, I think, think that's that- really important to do if you're unhappy where you are yeah agreed and I think that just by finding a little bit more of your dharma it still steps on that journey towards yeah. being towards fulfillment or towards you know your your soul's journey um so yeah that would that would be my take on it and where to start personally but they're big topics I mean we, we could do a podcast on each of those just finding our own values we could do a whole podcast on so you know yeah it's so, huge how can we think about dharma on the map or in a class or while we're practicing yoga is it something that we can take into a class do we need to consider it there I think so did anything come to mind quickly for you on that um only going back to what we talked about earlier where almost thinking about satya and our truthfulness and practicing in a way that is true to our body and mind at that point in time that's one of the ones that's my second one that I've got written down as well um I think with our yoga our physical practice on the mat it helps us to look inward and we can't we can't figure out our dharma without looking inward at our own our samskaras at our true self at what is our ego what is our true self everything like that we need to look inward to figure out what we need to do and practicing physical yoga really helps us do that it connects mind and body um and mind to mind really uh so that would be my first one so we're using it as using the yoga on the mat as a tool to Mm. help us on our path to our dharma rather than practicing our we can't practice our dharma on the mat necessarily but yeah like using it unless your dharma unless your dharma is to be a a yogi be a yoga teacher (laughs) <laughs> or to be yeah. a yogi or to practice <laughs> x amount of asana, or to achieve a certain yeah. asana I don't know but yeah um yeah. I definitely feel like I was practicing some of my dharma last night on a mat you know for the last two nights in a row there you yeah. go yeah exactly by teaching yeah yeah same um so it kind of also said this um it helps to separate the ego from the self so by looking inward spending that time it's Right, I'm in this I'm in this um, crescent land right now. Um, I as deep as I am right now, because I feel I should be, or because I want to be and I can. It's am I pushing myself into this pose because so and so next to me is doing it like this, or am I actually listening to my body and doing what I should be doing in this pose? So it helps us to differentiate um, the ego and the self. Uh, so that's and kind of yeah satya again so uh that's always a good one um and i think as our, our responsibility as teachers is to well not only encourage people to think about this stuff and encourage a broader picture uh within our yogis minds um or lives but also if they are on a path and they know their dharma then we should encourage them via yoga if we can. So let's say, for instance, um, that one of our yogis wants to be a professional rugby player. As teachers, we should be teaching them everything we can within yoga to 
to move as well as possible, to stay strong, to stay flexible, supple, mobile, et cetera, et cetera, all of those things, but stable and strong and teach them the practice that will help them get to their dharma of being a professional rugby player. It might be something else, like uh, not necessarily something. So if they're back to the hairdresser right from the beginning, well, okay, fine. I'm going to give you loads of stretches and chest openers and things to help you with your shoulder mobility. And, you know, because they've constantly got one arm up, don't they? And so everything for their back and their shoulders. And it's our responsibility as teachers to help them understand that whatever their dharma might be, we are here to support them. Yeah, that's why it's lovely when you start, you get to know your yogis. Um, Those little chats before and after class of what actually their goal is. Why are they there? Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, what's their physical goal? So you find out some are marathon runners, you know, what can we encourage when they're in poses? Is there specific things we should tell them to focus on over other things? But also Mm -hmm. then the, the mental grit and toughness for that and like the rugby player and stuff just yeah agreed imagine if someone's dharma was to raise money for a certain charity or to even create a certain charity and they were running marathons to help this charity well easy easy we can help them with that um and yeah so it's helping people to pair the two um if if it's necessary but um yeah they were the they were the main ones that i wrote down for how we can put our dharma on our mat and in actual class. Yeah, there's a lot more there than I'd perhaps considered. It's nice. It's nice yeah. to think about. Yeah. I thought so. It's it's so much about taking ego out of things and reflecting on ourselves. All of it. All of yoga is, isn't it? All of it. So um, <laughs> his name is, so some of you may have heard of dharma yoga. So it's not really, it's not the same thing. It's not connected. Um, but so there was a man called Sridharma Mitra, I think his name is. Um, it's definitely Sri and Dharma, but the surname is M-I-T-T-R-A. And he put, without, uh, without Yama and Niyama, there is no yoga. So I think we kind of said this last week in the Karma one, a Karma episode of if you're not considering the bigger things, or maybe it was a spirituality episode, if you're not considering the bigger things like the ego, the yamas and your niyamas, um, is it just stretching? Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. And that's, um, that's kind of where it's, where it's at. It's the same with, same with Dharma. We can get a lot more out of our yoga practice. It's not just stretching. That's why we've both always said, and it, it, it's lovely when people do come to class thinking it's just stretching. Mm-hmm. And they gradually pick up little bits here and there that add to their life outside of class as well. Yes, yeah, it's lovely. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Um, I've got to the end of my notes. Yeah, no, all, we've we've talked a lot about Dharma. It's been really good. I hope people have learned a lot. Have you? I've learned a lot. It's it's fascinating. It it makes me feel a little bit heartwarming in that. I think I've found my temporary dharma too, a bit like you. I know that it's going to evolve and change. I, I kind of know that now. Like I love what I do. I also know that it, it will change as I get older and as circumstances and life changes, different aspects will come up. Yep. Agreed. And I feel like we're both on the right path, which is yeah. incredibly warming. Yeah. Makes you feel yeah good, but also makes me feel 
like I want so many more people to learn about it because you see so many people just almost stuck in a life that they're not quite happy in but not sure how to get out of Mm, agreed agreed totally but then they might not be on that path yet no it's being open to it isn't it it is being open to it it might be that they they need a couple more bodies (laughs) (laughs) their soul needs to find their right home before they set set out on that path and it's just respecting that everyone's in a different place yeah yeah yeah. Oh, I love awesome. it. Awesome. Um, so what are we doing next, Dawn? Well, I've written compassion, but I've put an arrow next to it. So I don't know why I've put an arrow next to it. Oh, I wonder why there's an arrow next to it. I'll have to look at my list. So I thought it was, but it yeah. could be something else. Dun, dun, dun. Find out when we record, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, lovely. Well, it's been so good talking about Dharma. If you want to follow our instagram at yoga life podcast yes our website is yogalifepodcast.com where you can link to listen to episodes i think you can sign up to our mailing list as well but do join in any conversations if you see posts on instagram that interest you or you've got comments about episodes just give us a little message or send us private messages if you want something confidential you've been triggered by something you're interested in something a little bit more a bit deeper we can help we can maybe make an episode on it or maybe post stuff about it we'll see love that she's getting good at this isn't she um good work don so yep follow us uh on everything please like um subscribe follow on all of your famous favorite listening platforms spotify itunes give some stars give us a full-on written review if you can please um i think that's it isn't it babe and just share the love around everyone everyone you think could benefit from listening send it over yeah and um start start considering your karmas and your dharmas we'd love to know how you've started to implement them yeah omg awesome (laughs) well maybe we'll put like some sort of question on our instagram soon for anyone that's after we've released it Yeah, love it. Cool. Thanks, Dawn. Thank you, Alex. Bye. Bye.